nothing like a bizarre dream sequence to start the day, right? <laughs> well, we are in the fourth week of Song of Songs, where uh, the first three weeks uh, we've had to endure sappy love. But I know the cynics out there have been saying, it's not going to last. You know, they may be doing all this lovey-dovey stuff now, but, but trouble's coming. Well, g- guess what? Today is your day. And uh, we actually get to uh, experience another dream sequence that you just heard of uh, the woman and uh, her really going through uh, some pain and separation from Solomon, from her lover, and uh, as she works through those things. But before we jump into that, um, we want to talk, uh, jump in and look at the Connexity game that we've been having going on, the, the game where we're all participating in, and I've asked you guys to think of ways to show your, your spouse uh, how you think they're special, how you uh, love them, how you think they're handsome or beautiful, and show them in a tangible way, um, in a tangible way that does not cost any money. And each week we're uh, giving away a $50 gift certificate to Bonefish. And if you remember last week, uh, the, the creativity and the, and the volume of us just uh, showing our spouse, uh, spouses that we love them or significant others that we love them really fell off. And I had you all put out your hand and I gave you kind of a virtual slap and said, hey, come on. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's show our loved ones that we love them and email me at marketelement3.org and tell me about it. Well, this week you guys outdid yourself. You guys did really, really good. Uh, unfortunately, there can only be one winner, but I wanted to uh, share three of the top ones that I received, and uh, I just thought they were really cool this week. Um, the first one is rather long, so I'm going to greatly edit it. Um, says, hey Mark, uh, my husband and I have been truly inspired to action by the Pillow Talk series. And we have taken to heart your challenge to find a special way to show our love for each other. We've been married five and a half years and we've been so very blessed with a deep love and commitment for each other and enduring compatibility. We've weathered up and downs like every couple does, but recently we've experienced the darkest time in our marriage. And then she goes in and talks about these dark times and how uh, things have been really, really tough. And then she says, well, I've said all that to say this. Your challenge to us to find a way to make each other feel special inspired us to make a true commitment to invest in each other's spirituality as a regular part of our everyday life. We know that a spiritual foundation for our relationship is crucial. But now we're living what we believe. We've started giving each other the greatest gift, the gift of spiritual support. And we are now having devotions together every day. And we both look forward to do this, uh, to do this time to connect on a deeper level. The gift of reading and praying together is becoming the greatest gift of all. I admit that we are only at the beginning stages of walking this path of spiritual growth together. But blessings, but the blessings we are receiving from just being faithful in this one thing will encourage us to keep on growing more and more um, as we mature as followers of Christ. 
So I guess I wrote a book just to tell you our gift to each other is daily devotionals. Thanks for helping lead us in our Christian journey. I thought that one was really, really cool. The second one um, took a very different approach. Uh, in fact, it says, uh, Mark, this email is totally anonymous. Please. And you'll know why. Your message this week emphasized knowing our spouse's love language. Mine is touch. This is not new knowledge to my husband or I because of many issues, both past and present. It is not something that ever received much attention, though. Rather, random touch was never a problem. I imagine they're talking with each other because random touch could become a problem. I... Uh, <laughs> He would hold my hand, hug me, or casually touch me, but intimate, passionate expressions of touch was not always easy or convenient. Last night should have been one of those times. Mondays are difficult for my husband. He is usually very tired after work to the point of finding it hard to stay awake after dinner. The plan yesterday was for him to come home, eat, and go right to bed. However, after a desperate phone call from a woman asking for marital help, we left to talk with her and her husband. This was, alone, this was alone was sacrificial for him. But afterwards, to go to the most dreaded place of all, Walmart, to get some things we needed really stretched him. We returned home almost around 7.45 and he was exhausted. He laid down and was sound asleep within seconds. Although I knew how tired he was and how much he needed to sleep, I was selfishly disheartened. We hadn't had any intimate time for ourselves. I laid next to him and watched television for a while while he slept. Finally, I woke him up to get him ready to bed for bed, taking off his shoes, told him to change, brush his teeth, whatever. He took a shower and came out of came out of the bathroom and he began lighting candles around the bedroom. I do have candles in our room. However, they have always been more or less just part of the decor. Not tonight, baby. <laughs> I added that part. Uh. He treated me as he did when we were newlyweds. I felt special, loved, adored. In the depth of his touch, I felt everything he felt for me. His love and passion for me. He made me feel beautiful. Last night was not a typical act of marriage. It was a physical pronounced expression. I know you enjoy pictures. <laughs> I don't know what she's trying to say there, but, uh, uh, but we don't have pictures of, of their lovely evening. So, and the winner this week. Uh, I hope you haven't picked a winner yet. That's what we used to say when we were kids about picking your nose. Pick a winner? Uh, <laughs> I'm writing to tell you what I'm going to do for my wife. I'm going, uh, I'm going to give her uh, a compilation of letters that were written to her over the past two weeks. At the start of the new series, Pillow Talk, I realized that I definitely wanted to make my wife feel special. Special. She's very close to her family and friends, so I thought that I would that it would be great, a great opportunity for as many of them as I could get involved. 
The next day after the gathering, I sent a mass email to as many friends and family as I could and asked all of them to write a letter to my wife. In the letter, they would write whatever they'd like. I pretty much left it open, but I encouraged them to just try to make her feel special. I could not believe how it turned out. Almost every day I was receiving another letter, and it was such an awesome experience for me. Each is about a page long, and they were so great. It was awesome to see how much they cared and loved her and how much their lives had been affected by her. Without even trying, I have felt special myself because I got to see again through the letters how lucky I am to have her in my life. Tonight, I plan to take her somewhere special and give her all the letters. Her friends and family can't wait to see how it goes. I hope it works, and I'll let you know in another email. And then the next email came. The letters went great. There was a total of 22 of them, and it was a total success. I ended up taking her to Lake Ella at sunset. This is where I proposed. And once we found a seat on a bench in front of the lake, I pulled the hidden letters out from a bag that I had packed to feed the ducks. I don't think you're meant to do that, by the way. Uh, she was totally shocked. They were in random order, and she was so surprised at each one, and that there were so many to read. She read them out loud, and we laughed, and we cried together about all the wonderful things that were written. written. It ended up being an amazing experience that we will never forget. Thanks for the inspiration. Even a few of the people that sent out the letters told me that they were inspired to try to do something like that for their special someone in the future. Thanks again. And then well, there's three pictures of it. There's a picture of the letters. Next picture is of her reading one of the letters. And then um, the final picture is of her crying or laughing or sneezing or something uh, there. So... That was really, really awesome, and uh, he's a very good photographer, too. So everybody give yourselves a big round of applause uh, for the winner this week. Come up and get your $50 gift card. You did great. All of you did great, and uh, keep on having those come. Send those to mark at element3.org. So, hey, if you will open up your Bibles to Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, depending on your translation, to chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 2. And uh, again, today we're going to be looking at trouble in paradise, that, that, that the re there's something that went wrong with the relationship. Now, this sequence picks up uh, apparently quite some time after they were married. Uh, but before we talk about chapter 5, verse 2, I want to hearken back to Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15. If you remember when the young women of Jerusalem said, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. And we talked about how these little foxes in, in, in our relationships, at the beginning of the relationships, these are cute little foxes. You know, they could never hurt anybody. They could never hurt our relationships. It's so strong but left untended that they can destroy a vineyard. They can burrow into the root system and destroy. And unfortunately, we're seeing the remnants of their destructive behavior in this passage today. It starts out, it says, I slept. 
She's physically asleep, but my heart was awakened. She's talking about going into this dream sequence. So you're asleep, you're physically asleep, but your emotions, your heart is racing and awake with, with all the pressures of life, all the, all the worries and, and the relational turmoil that you're experiencing. And, and her body is dealing it with it through this dream sequence. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. But I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? Boy. How far have they come from where they couldn't be kept apart, where, where every opportunity they had to be together, they would take. And now we have this door in between them, and she just doesn't even want to bother getting out of bed. She doesn't want to bother putting on her robe again. And it's kind of interesting what's going on here, and it's kind of interesting to look at the, the language that's being used. Here we have Solomon saying, open to me my treasure, my darling, my dove, my, my perfect one. I, I, I'm out in the cold, essentially. And she kind of has this indifference toward him that, that she's like, yeah, whatever. Now, we don't know what led up to this emotional disconnect that they have. You know, Solomon could have been the biggest jerk in the world. Maybe after being and doing all his kingly stuff, you know, maybe he would go out and, and just neglect her and go out with the boys or, or whatever. We don't know. But for some reason, something happened where, where no longer are they yearning to be together, but there's a separation that's come in between them. But he is still pouring out his affection on her, and it's falling on just indifference on her part. She's like, yeah, I, I really don't care. And then it says, my lover tried to unlatch the door. And then there was a change right there, and my heart thrilled within me, and I jumped up to open the door for my love. You know, sometimes this happens where, I don't know if you've ever just been sitting doing like watching TV or working on a project and one of your kids come in or your spouse comes in and is like, hey, you want to, you know, you want to go throw the football outside or do you want to, you want to go do something or something like that? You're like, eh, no, not really. You know, I'm just going to do this, just waste time and things like that. And then something inside you goes, wait a second, you know, this is my, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is my my husband or my wife, these are, you know, these are the most important relationships in the world to me. And something strikes inside you and says, wait a second, whatever I'm doing can wait. And I want to go be with this special person. And it seems like for some reason she has this, this switch that goes off and she's like, wait, what, is, what, what am I doing? What, I, I, I've taken a shower? I, I don't want to bother putting on my robe. I don't want to bother getting out of bed and opening the door for the love of my life. You know what? I got I to gotta do something. 
And she gets there, and she pulls back the bolt, and she opens it to his lover, but he was gone. Too little, too late. It's one of my biggest fears, i got to be honest with you. My kids are growing so fast. I, I just, I remember the first day that Madison was outside of her mother in the hospital, and they gave her to us. And I'm like, what, what am I meant to do with this, you know? And they're all like, yeah, go, How, you know, take her home. And we get her out to the car, and I'd never put a kid into a car seat before. I had no idea, and I'm like thinking, how irresponsible this hospital, you know, giving this little baby to me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's bad. And, and you know, I, I have seen her grow, and the same thing with my son, and, and, and you think about how they want to do something with you. And time just goes by, and they don't want to be with you as much as they once did. That, that you hear songs and you see movies about, about parents who neglected their children while they were growing up, and then when they're older, and now the kids are independent, that the parents want to be part of their lives. And the kids are like, you weren't there when I needed you. And it perpetuates, and, and it's so sad. The same thing is true in, in marriages, that, that one day you wake up, and these small little choices of just indifference leads up to absence. I had somebody came up to me after the uh, first gathering and said, where was this series two years ago? My wife has left me. These little things, they add up, and sometimes it's, it's too little, too late. And we all fall victim to it because our lives get invaded by just stuff, and we lose focus on what is truly important. And how I wish that I could tell you I get this right, but I don't. I fail every single day that I get my priorities messed up. But we need to figure out how we can encourage each other to come together to let the people who are closest to us know that they are special, to know that we love them. Let them know that they are the center of our world. After she saw that he was gone, her heart sank. And she searched, but she couldn't find him anywhere. And she called out, and there was no reply. You ever had that in a dream where you're just, you're seeking, but you're not getting anywhere. And then she comes up to the night watchman. And you remember in her first dream sequence, when she came to the night watchman, they helped her. They helped her find her lover. But this time, instead of helping her, they beat her. And probably in her subconscious, she's beating herself up about how this relationship had been pulled apart. And it's kind of interesting. They, they take her veil and they tear it off. Now, in the Jewish culture, women only wear veils. 
during their wedding. And I haven't read this anywhere, but I kind of think that this is symbolic in her dream of, look, the honeymoon is over. Reality is set in. And there's real problems here. And as she goes on, she yells out, Make this promise, O women of Jerusalem. If you find my lover, tell him I am weak with love. That she's realized that her indifference to him, that, that she has blown it. That she needs him. Then the young women of Jerusalem reply to her, Why is your lover better than all the others, O woman of rare beauty? What makes your lover so special that we must promise this? And I think in her dream sequence that she's, she's being really prompted to think about those things that made her fall in love with him in the first place. You know, so often life gets invade, invades our relationships. And I've often sat with people whose marriages are in great distress or maybe they're separated, or maybe they just can't even talk to each other anymore. And I often sit there, or I'll even tell them, I'll say, there is obviously some reason that you guys came together in the first place, right? I mean, think about it. There was a time before you got married. Nobody forced you to get married. Nobody forced you to come together. There must be things that attracted you to each other. What are those things? And I think that this is such an important discipline in our relationships are remembering those things. And when the young women of Jerusalem prompt her, what's so special about Solomon? And she starts talking about his hair and, and his muscles and, her, and his legs and all of these kind of different things. But I think the most important thing is the last line she said, Such, O women of Jerusalem, is my lover my friend. You know, we can only get so far on on the the the, the feelings and and the, the physical attraction. That that is really a benefit of really what is truly wonderful, and that is friendship. And you think about the wonderful gift of, of sex that God has given us, and you think about the wonderful gift of friendship that God has given us, and how insanely awesome it is when those two things come together, when you actually get to have a marriage with someone who you're physically attracted to and you get to experience the blessings of sex with, but also someone that you like to go bicycling with and, and go to coffee with and hang out with. When those things come together, you're experiencing what God intended. This beautiful thing of a holistic marriage. And it's something that we have to strive for and work for. And continually reminding ourselves what is so special about our loved one. After hearing this, the young women in Jerusalem said, Where has your lover gone? 
O woman of rare beauty? Which way did he turn so we can help you find him? And I think the next sentence or a few sentences is very telling. She says, my lover has gone down to his garden, to his spice beds, to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. I am my lover's and my lover is mine. He browses among the lilies. See, in her dream, she knows where he is. It's not that there's a separation physically here that she could go to him. There's a much larger separation. And that is the emotional separation. You see, an emotional separation is probably the worst kind of separation that you can possibly have because with a physical separation, we can be just about anywhere in the world. We can meet up with somebody within a day. If we truly want to be physically with somebody, we could make it happen. Not so with emotional separation. You can be sitting right next to somebody and they might as well be a million miles away. And there's nothing that you can do in that moment to restore that relationship. It doesn't take an hour. It doesn't take a plane trip. It doesn't take a day. It, when it, a relationship has come to this emotional differences, it takes a long time. And it takes the discipline of going back and each one of you remembering what you loved about the other person and cherishing those things and holding those things up. And when that happens, there's still going to be conflict, but it becomes different. Because whenever there's two people that come together, there is conflict. If, any, if there's thinking things, people, you're going to think differently than the other person. There's going to be discussion, and this is something that brings flavor, and it brings passion to a relationship. But how we resolve these conflicts makes all the difference in the world. And I just want to give you five suggestions on how you can resolve conflict to not allow this emotional divide to grow. First one is to approach each other with kindness and concern. Remember that this is somebody you love. The goal isn't to win the argument. The goal is to build and win together. In Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk, talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Next one is to establish an atmosphere of mutual vulnerability and transparency. In 2 Corinthians 2.4, Paul wrote, For I wrote out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. He's not holding anything back, but he's hurting. Not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. Establishing a safe place to have a conversation. Be an effective listener. So many times we are coming into a thing, a situation to a known conflict, and we're like, I'm going to, you know, tell them this, 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 and this. You know what? God tells us in James chapter 1, verse 9, says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. 
We should listen before we speak. The next one is speak truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up in him who is the head, who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking truth, speaking love to one another, not lying to them, and then finally be willing to forgive. Matthew 6.14, it says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says, look, make allowances for one another. None of us are perfect. All of us need help. And it doesn't mean that you just leave somebody where you are. You want to encourage them to live out the vision that God has for their life. But you don't want to beat them up and never forgive them either. All relationships have conflict. But not allowing that conflict to fester and to pull you apart. And probably one of the most important things is constantly reminding each other why you came together in the first place. What are those things that you love about that other person? That's why we're doing this little contest, fun contest, to put us in the habit of loving our, letting our loved ones know in their love language why they matter to us. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that there's marriages that are in pain. I know there's relationships that are in pain. God, forgive us for where we have been indifferent and just pray that we can fully engage in one another, be fully invested, that we will remember those things that brought us together in the first place. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.